0: With a history of 5000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the 7th day of the 7th month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. "I want a new palace," said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. "Will will you marry me?" he asked.
1: Discussion keeps the world turning.
0: This is Round
2: You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, China's coffee market is red hot with a homegrown brand eclipsing an international coffee juggernaut in the domestic market for the very first time. What did it get right? And we share with you what we've read, what we've seen, what we've enjoyed. Essentially, what's made us happy in Roundtable's happy place. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. And we love that you listen to the show. We want to hear from you. Your observations, questions, and comments are all appreciated. We read every single email and listen to every single voice memo you send us. You can reach us at roundtable at foxmail.com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our heart-to-heart Heart segment, Now, let's move on to our next topic of discussion today. Recently, industry and corporate reports say that the homegrown coffee brand Luckin Coffee has surpassed global coffee giant Starbucks in domestic sales for the first time. Many industry insiders say that this is an important signal of local coffee brands outpacing their foreign counterparts and getting a bigger share in the domestic market. Well, this is welcome news for homegrown coffee brands and there's more than one out there and it's an increasingly crowded place so give us an update on the situation of um, domestic coffee
1: yes in this case this local coffee brand called lucking coffee announced their financial report for the second quarter of 2023 and reported a total revenue of 6.2 billion yuan that's about 862 million U.S. dollars, and that's representing a 88% year-on-year growth, and that as a result is surpassed Starbucks sales in China with a net income of 5.9 billion yuan, which is about 822 million U.S. dollars. And this also makes this local brand the domestic coffee brand with the highest revenue this year.
2: So how do domestic coffee brands capture the palette and wallet of consumers in China?
0: Well, I think that it's for many of the same reasons that domestic coffee brands are becoming popular all over the world, actually. And I guess that China was maybe a bit later to the party than some of the European countries in, in acquiring a real taste for coffee. I think that's fair to say, right? I mm. think that it's a reasonably new thing. But I think a lot of the factors are the same and just having a local identity in a brand. Uh, I think domestic coffee brands, they have a much stronger connection to the local culture and traditions and preferences, consumer preferences. And if we look at something like Luckin Coffee, I'm a pretty big coffee drinker. I go in and out of drinking a lot of coffee, but I- I've noticed that Luckin is very different to Starbucks in a lot of ways. And it's much more, I would say much more Chinese and mm-hmm. not because of the taste, but just because of the way it's set up. It just makes a lot more sense. I think that one of the biggest difference I've noticed, which makes it more localized is that it seems to be a lot more focused on delivery and takeaway services than Starbucks is. Um, Mm. And it has a lot more of these, the apps are a lot more approachable in that way and it's quick and they have a lot of functions where you can go and pick up the coffee. Like the stands that I see, I've often gone and been very confused because I want to go and look at a menu and buy something and I have to scan something and they're basically just the vendor for the people who, come and take them away, right? Oh. Um, and so, yeah, which is fine, you know, but I would go to Starbucks because that just makes more sense to me and how I've been brought up, I guess, in my own culture. So in this regard, it just makes a lot more sense, I think. And this is one reason why these more domestic coffee brands and Lookin' especially is doing very well, I think.
1: And I also uh, watched that kind of video that the, somebody wants to get a cup of coffee from this store and then they'll just indifferently tell you order on your phone
2: yeah that's yeah
0: like, that's I, what happened yeah, to me yeah
2: yeah i'm always confused why are people like more vigilant about their their privacy and you know just scanning any qr code it feels like you know that's just but you haven't been listening to this show but i
1: think <laughs> gotta,
0: that's gotta get that coffee though you know
1: <laughs> that's more like um you know the brand positioning of this coffee uh shop because i think their target consumer is more like young people and young people are are in favor of ordering on their phone and not, you know, talking to strangers. And I have to say it's kind of a struggle for a lot of older people who need to, you know, order face to face. But should Mm. I say that?
2: That's okay. I'm one of those older people. (laughs) No worries. It's just, okay, anybody who's listened to the show, like knows that Yeah, I refuse to give away my private information or, you know, it's just just as difficult as it it is. But just ordering a coffee on the one hand, on the other hand, all, you know, your, your, your phone number, your location, a lot of that information given up. Why? It's not worth it to me. Okay, that's opinion A. Second... Yeah, some of us, we like to talk to the barista, you know, and it's like, okay, this is going to make my life sound increasingly sad, but it's like nice to have human contact and my barista knows me and sometimes... Okay, well, does a little drawing on my coffee cup, and that's really nice. And if I bring my own coffee cup, I, you know, we get to have a cute little conversation, and I like that. What's wrong with that? Okay, that's the end of my defense. Mm. <laughs> um, but also with that company you guys have been talking about, is it that people are a little forgetful? Um It was mired in a scandal a few Mm. years ago. And um, to make its business bounce back like this, some attribute it to the business strategy that is just opening up more stores, expansion as such. Yeah, there's also, I think, um, kind of a tricky business aspect of it that is beyond just selling coffee.
0: I think that it is tricky business, Endeavor, as you say, I think there's a lot of nuance to things like this that go much further than selling coffee, um, as you say, and it takes time. And it has taken time for as I mentioned before, it's taken time for coffee to become this popular in China. Um, and so I think that Luckin has done a pretty good job with this. And also though, as as I said before, it's it's happening in other countries as well. Starbucks is still dominant in my own country a very traditionally american brand remember not british and I, i must say that in in the uk there are a lot of coffee brands that are taking over starbucks and people are wanting a more personalized customized localized experience where they know where their products come from and they maybe even want to go somewhere where this is the only place where they can get that experience right um, as more special experience. We've spoken about this a lot, right, about the consumer trends changing. So is this gonna eventually push out Starbucks? I-, I think that it is having an effect on them. I guess that lookin is a bit, is kind of new in this regard, so it's still definitely got some time on the clock, but I, I don't know if the future will also be finite for right. Luckin as well.
2: Well, Josh, it's interesting that you bring up some of these, uh, you know, British brands. How do you feel about Costa Coffee? In China. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How do I feel about it? I'm not, I don't go there, to be honest. You're British. I don't actively avoid it.
2: <laughs> Why?
0: <laughs> I, don't a- I don't actively avoid it. I'm definitely a person that will take convenience over quality a lot of the time, especially when I need to get some caffeine. I don't, I try not to consume too much, probably once a day, but there are more Starbucks near me. And I will go there. There's a look in literally downstairs from where I live. And I still don't know. I mean, I could try, but I still haven't worked out how to use it. How to order coffee there. Every time I go there, it's pretty awkward. So th- this oh, is sorry, it really, yeah, to I hear don't that. To And I'm sorry I laughed. I'm sorry. But
1: yeah, I <laughs> think these, yeah. uh, foreign brands are also offering these local brands, some new ideas because of course there is a huge market outside of China and, um, they have basically a more mature system in selling coffee and other stuff. And Costa Coffee, they, they offer bagels, right? And I think they it's also offering ideas for a lot of these Chinese uh, local brands to give people more choices on not only having coffee, but also having something to eat. And also from the perspective of consumer, of course, these brands are uh, introducing a lot of promotional activities and campaigns, giving consumers, a lot of low price. And, um, I think of course that's going to be a strategy, but also offering people a chance to get more about this coffee culture and maybe finally cultivate a habit of drinking coffee.
2: Yeah, that is really interesting. You see that picking up in certainly big cities in China. And uh, apparently Shanghai is the coffee capital (laughs) in this country. And uh, yes, us Beijingers will willingly let them have this one. (laughs) It's really until recent years that you see more of these independent coffee houses spring up in Beijing, um, for the last like twenty years or so, it was mainly Starbucks and other chained franchises. And for a few years, South Korean coffee houses were quite popular here as well. And now I think they're they're still holding a, a healthy piece of the market as well. Because I think it still comes down to knowing sometimes ahead of your consumers what they want and back then like about 10 years ago South Korean coffee houses they realized that the Chinese palate and Chinese consumers preference it might be a little bit different to North Americans, you know, Starbucks. So then they made adjustments to that and then it was a success. And now you're seeing that, you know, you've got the uh, domestic coffee chains as well as a lot of these really an interesting boutique coffee houses, homegrown here in China. And I think it's just really exciting to visit these places. And um, Shanghai has long enjoyed this coffee culture. And then you have people for years like making coffee at home. So um, no wonder there's, you know, that huge audience there. There's the culture, the habit there, and then you have the business that caters towards that need. And for me as a Beijing local, I'm just really happy to see there are these fun hangout places of independent coffee houses as well. And and it's also promising to see that doing a small business like that can stay afloat. So, you know, knowing that these small businesses can make money and survive, and that's also creating jobs, I think that's also something I'm really happy to see as well.
1: Yes, as you said, um a lot of these um coffee shops, they are actually creating a kind of image that will attract a lot of people to go. And um as I personally is not like 100% not coffee drinker. I I basically don't <laughs> drink coffee at all. And um but I know these brands. Even some of the, you know, Chinese local brands. I think originally from Shanghai or from Sichuan. that area and um, I saw a lot of pictures that they are trying to have their store with you know a more stylish and luxury atmosphere so that a lot of people will go there and take pictures and then post on social media and then be popular Mm -hmm. so it is more kind of a trend in recent years people are not only going these uh, coffee stores for drinking coffee but also for socializing for communicating for Working even.
2: Yeah, isn't that the Starbucks model? Isn't that the Central Park coffee house model from from friends? You know, it's like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's always luxury. It's more like mm. it's comfy, it's warm, welcoming you and you can hang out here. And I always wonder if the turnover rate is if people are just spending time there then that's not really good for business (laughs) josh what do you think about this more like traditional idea of uh coffee
0: houses well i I think you're right and i think that is starbucks model and i I think that it has been evidently very successful right and um it is more communal and it operates in these sort of traditional sit down style cafes but i think what Yushun said was really interesting about how younger generations and you said younger Chinese generations I-, I wonder if it's the same don't really want to be as communal anymore mm-hmm. and they want to just get their coffee and, and run go. away without speaking to anybody maybe not run away or maybe I shouldn't say that but <laughs> I think there is something really wonderful about the idea of the coffee house or the tea house or the pub or whatever it may be sipping on a drink that you're supposed to drink slowly or in high volume like a <laughs> pub and where you're going to be there for a long time and educating and being social. And it does seem like maybe these kind of places are starting to dwindle a little bit, which is a little bit sad. I wonder what the future holds for this kind of place, this kind of sit down and drinking a hot drink and talking and working. I hope that there is room for it, but I, I don't know. I get, in In Beijing, I see a lot of places where you can sit and work, right? But they're not necessarily coffee houses, actually. There might be a coffee machine in there, but... They're not necessarily coffee shops, right?
2: Then what kind of venue is that?
0: I don't know. I guess they're just sort of like rent by the sit-in offices and things like this. I've used them myself, actually. Uh Um, But yeah, it's not a coffee shop. So who knows what the future holds? Apparently not me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I do remember um, there were these um, little tidbits people share online years ago in a coffee House people here, and you know, sometimes the tables are placed so narrowly close to each other, and then you hear people at the next table talking about signing a deal. So yeah, um, I think in the city setting, people need a, a third place to hang out aside from work and home. And let's say if you're, you know, in between jobs and. People need a place to stay that they feel is comfortable, is hopefully not too expensive, and people can find the peace and quiet to focus on what they do. And I think it doesn't have to be a coffee house or a tea house, but we need these public spaces. That is really important for for a lot of people for various reasons. Coming up next, we invite you to Roundtable's Happy Place. Delivery, delivery, delivery. What is it? Happiness from Round Table. So, what is your happy place, Yushun?
1: My happy place this week is a movie called Chang'an, or in Chinese, Chang'an San Wan Li. First of all, Chang'an is the name of the capital back then in Tang Dynasty. So obviously it's a story about some historical events happened in Tang Dynasty. And this movie has a certain level of alteration based on history and fantasy. So still, if you are a history enthusiast, this movie I think is a good choice. However, another point that really made me enjoy this movie is that when it comes to the discussion of Tang Dynasty, there's an element that is Cannot be ignored, which is the abundant presence of scholars and poets during that time, right? So this has led to the, you know, a lot of preservation of many famous poems from the Tang Dynasty. And this movie invested a lot of time in incorporating ancient poetry. And the reason I really like it is because we might have uh, discussed before, and I believe it fully explained why we need to learn poems. Because when you go through, you know, certain time or you experience something or you witness some breathtaking landscapes, you can express your own emotions through these stories or through these poems. And I truly enjoy how these ancient poetry can depict people's emotions and stories through such short sentences and expressions. And, um, you know, I believe many people share the same idea with me because um, we can see through the box office of this movie. um, According to a report by People's Daily, as of August 16th, the box office revenue of this movie has reached 1.7 billion yuan. That's about 232 million US dollars. And it is making it the champion among Chinese animated movies this year and also the second place of all Chinese animated movies following the new we t- talked before the chinese myth movie yeah and also another aspect that can be seen from this movie is the progress and um i think the development of chinese animated or even the entire film industry and um, i believe all of this is mm, inseparable from the you know the whole industrialization and the development of the industry and um Back then, uh, we can see through some reports saying that there were no more than 30 companies capable of fully producing animation in China in 2017, but now there are nearly 1000 animation related enterprises actively participating in the industry and with more than 100 of them are capable of producing high quality animation. So I think the success of these recent cases in the past few years has given, you know, Chinese film enthusiasts and also filmmakers confidence. And I believe there will be more movies like this, which are carrying, you know, exploration with the pursuit of art and quality in the future.
0: Mm -hmm. I think, Yushun that that's very admirable. And I didn't know that you had such an interest in this kind of literature and poetry. Have you always been interested in this? Um,
1: I would say I fascinate the feeling of, you know, coming out of poems when you're seeing something. But um, I have to say I didn't read a lot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you You read more than... A lot of people, I would say. But the thing is, in China, like if you uh, go to school here, then most of us have recited Mm. some of those poems that were referenced in this animation movie. And uh, when we talk about the Tang Dynasty, it refers to uh, the 7th to 8th century in ancient China. And what I really love about this movie, which I happened to go see as well, and um, I went first, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, we we exchanged um, some thoughts before we turned the mic on. And there is something special about Chinese animations these years, I feel. And the animation studio Chasing Light that came up with the story and uh, produced this movie has a pretty good track record by now. And it's really great to see that um, the minds behind the movie really did their homework. And they pretty much constructed a brand new story using figures that, using household names of poets from Tang Dynasty that most Chinese people would have heard of. And um, the film's climax is when Li Bai, you know, Mm. just the, He's truly the goat of poets in China. Him reciting his classic poem, Bring the Wine, was one of the parts that I really enjoyed in the movie. And he, as he reaches the line, Heaven made me, I must have purpose. The animation springs into a dreamscape, and the Yellow River and the Milky Way meet at the horizon. And Lee and his friends ride cranes into the clouds and drink with the mortals. And there was probably too much drinking in that animation. But, uh, you know, you, you read that from the poems. It's not like people are making these things up. And I think it was truly an outlet for those ancient poets to sort of signal their frustration when you really want to do more but you feel you're constrained by reality and um yes and some of these things i think they they really speak to people regardless of time and that flight of fantasy that i just mentioned it ended so quickly with the white-haired Levi reading out the final words of this poem a thousand Ages of Worry. It was it was quite memorable. Yes, and uh this is definitely one of the really popular movies of this summer. And uh yes, and we do have a special show in the near future coming up where we're gonna discuss, you know, all these summer blockbusters or really fun movies that we've watched and enjoyed and want to recommend to you or you know have something special to say about all right and josh so what do you have for us
0: well i have something slightly different i've been learning to dance oh. now it's um
2: <laughs> yeah it's good well, to hear well, that I'm you're not, picking. i'm really something... not very
0: good yeah it may shock you but i can't actually dance I'm really I'm really not very good I, you, you don't look shocked at all but you know I'm do you have I'm any quite musical, genre to dance do, sh-
1: do we call it a genre or just type of dance
0: yeah there is a type of dance thank you for asking me, yeah um the dance the type of dance is salsa oh it's a simple one um <laughs> yeah you know it's it's quite a it's it's quite an interesting kind of dance um It's slightly different, um, but I I think that salsa offers a lot of benefits uh, along with physical fitness and things like this. But I've, I've always found it quite difficult, but I realize that my biggest obstacle with dancing, and I don't know if you guys feel the same, is actually just a confidence thing. It's mainly that I have the rhythm and I have the ability. I'm in decent shape, but my lack of confidence makes me dance poorly. And you have to submit to the rhythm. Right. Yeah. If you don't allow yourself to do so, you're gonna look awkward, right? Mm. You have to let go, and sometimes letting go can be pretty hard. But I've I've found happiness, frustration, and happiness. And you guys know I I love learning new things. So, um, this is my my happy place for for this week.
2: That is lovely, and you're always sharing with us something new that you've learned, and and that's really nice, cause I done none of that you know and uh, it's almost like you can i I can you you never
0: check if i'm if i've kept it up though (laughs) i mean you never ask on the show but maybe we should do an update one day well uh,
2: only if you're okay with it (laughs) but i agree with you um we we tend to be quite self-conscious and it's like oh are, are people looking at me and uh you know what i've learned from um dropping another friend's reference here, uh, Phoebe buffet that uh um. you know she 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 runs w- in this monstrous way and I dance in a monstrous way, and I don't care what other people think of me. They don't exist. It's just me having some fun and uh I know. Josh, if you adopt a similar kind of mentality, but it feels, once you get over that hurdle mentally, then you're free. And that brings us to the end of today's show. Thank you, Yushun and Josh Cotterell for joining the discussion. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Ha Young. We'll see you next time.